0: Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hello, Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Street Smart MBA. And I'm here with Henry Miller, who is the founder of Henry's Humdingers. And Henry Miller is only 19, and he's the founder of Henry Humdinger's, and he founded it in 2009 when he was only 12 years old after learning about the devastating plight of the honeybees from colony collapse disorder. So since then, Henry's products have been endorsed by Weight Watchers, can be found in specialty stores such as Wegmans and other regional chains. And on top of all this, Henry's donated thousands of dollars to help save the bees, spoken to schools, and appeared on ABC's Shark Tank. He has his own cookbook. He's been on QVC five times, four times with David Venable in The Kitchen with David, selling out multiple times, where hum, Henry Humdinger's has an unbelievably high customer rating of 4.7 stars out of five. And in addition to the new cookbook and his new flavors, Henry decided he had to follow Mark Cuban's advice and grow the spicy honey category. So he opted to not only sell infused honey under his own label, but to go and investigate private label. He says, you see, we've had such a limited budget as the Shark Tank deal didn't close, which we're going to talk about today. It's difficult to do all the food demonstrations and advertising necessary necessary to get people to try such a unique product. So Henry figured that it would take a trusted brand name to get people to really try the spice-infused honey. So got on a plane, flew to Cincinnati, and is now the infused honey supplier to Kroger, private selection. You guys know Kroger Brands, City Market, Ralph, all those big brands. <laughs> so with all the products on the shelves in 2,100 stores nationwide, awesome. And it seems that since Henry's appearance on Shark Tank, he's started a trend for Honey Spice in the marketplace. Henry's currently a sophomore at Washington State University, and of course, he's both employer, leader in business, mentor, and innovator, but he's also a student, a son, and an employee on the campus because College ain't free. And he's had to miss the junior prom to go to the Northwest Food Processor's annual meeting. And he sort of found the irony in having to explain to his professors how he needed to be excused from class because he had to appear on QVC. And then he's got to gently tell his father, who's the creative director, to redesign the labels and then ask for some money for
1: fraternity dues. So
0: you've got quite a life there, Henry Miller. Welcome.
1: Hi, it's great to be here. Uh,
0: Yeah, So excited to talk to you. So I want to just dive in. Uh, I know you got homework to do. i got kids to pick up. So I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about what it was like. I know that you kind of got the idea for for your business when you were sitting on a plane talking to somebody um, sitting next to you about who mentioned the colony collapse disorder. And I just didn't know if you'd had an interest in bees prior to that or if just the conversation with this man kind of kicked things off for you.
1: Well, I never disliked bees growing up, but I never really particularly liked them. I was never one of those kids that was super terrified of bees that would run away. But uh, it kind of happened that I – that's a weird wording. Uh, I just started talking to this guy because at the time I was trying to promote my mom's blog that she was starting up, and I was telling telling him about her blog and about kind of what we did, and he started telling me about how he kept bees. And I was just fascinated by everything he had to say. It, they were just such like amazing creatures to me that I didn't really, hadn't really ever thought of that much. And then he told me about colony collapse disorder and about how the bees were in danger. And he told me that if bees were to disappear, we would have around seven years to live before the food chain would collapse and the, everything would essentially end. And as a 12-year-old, that terrified me. Course. because I had a long bucket list of things to do and not a lot of them were checked off at 12 so I asked him what ways could I help the bees and he said honestly keeping a beehive for yourself and like just making sure it's okay and that can help the ecosystem around you and I said all right and I asked my mom for a beehive and she got me one next thing you know I own a company now. <laughs>
0: Do you still have that original hive?
1: Unfortunately I do not. I actually lost it to colony collapse disorder, which go oh. figure.
0: Yeah. And do you guys have other hives? I mean do you do your own do you manufacture your own honey or do you source that?
1: We have a couple hives, but we definitely do not have, make enough to fulfill the amount of orders that we have. So we buy other raw honey in uh, from the United States. Just because if we were making it all ourselves, we would have to keep way too many beehives and it would just end up being, being too much on our a little, plate, probably. Yeah,
0: yeah. And do you guys do you guys do all the infusion and the herbs and spices yourself, or is that something that you process out to, you know, give out to a fulfillment place?
1: Uh, everything that is Henry's Hemdinger's oh, label on it, we do ourselves uh, out of our own factory and most likely... Done by my mom and dad and me, and the private label ones are uh, those are you we use a co-packer for. But mm-hmm. that's just because we couldn't. If we were up, if we had to do that amount of orders for Kroger all the time, it would just be ridiculous. And exactly. I don't think my I don't think my <laughs> poor mother would get any sleep.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can I can I can understand. Well, so let's let's talk about. Um, What happened with your Shark Tank deal? I know you went on the show, and you want to take it from there?
1: Uh, Yeah, I went on the show. My parents weren't even allowed to watch the taping. They were in a separate room and not able to watch. And immediately afterwards, uh, after I came out, they are like, Henry, what happened? And I was able to tell them the deal I got. But honestly, other than that, it was an entire blur for me. I could barely remember anything that happened just because it was like, went by like it was 30 seconds, but I was in there for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the deal I got was uh, Mark and Robert for th- um, $300,000 for 75%. And at the, since then, so many people have criticized me, my friends, other people. And they said, Henry, you were giving away such a huge portion of your business for not that much money. Like, you must have been crazy. And I simply told them, "In when I was like, Sixteen when I went on shark tank, twenty mm-hmm. bucks was a lot of money to me, sure, right? of
0: course, <laughs> and then
1: to be taught like throwing around numbers like three hundred thousand that was more money than I probably at that time could have spent, and right. now that i 'm in college, I definitely know that I can where I could use that money,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but i I said, you know what it's better to own twenty five percent of a watermelon than a hundred percent of a grape at the time. Right. And so I accept the deal, and in the negotiations afterwards, like, they do their due diligence, and we talk to the sharks, and, like, the lawyers do their lawyery y things. Uh, we ended up not going through with the deal. Uh, Robert actually backed out of the deal, and then eventually we decided to not go through with it with Cuban because of some of the more fine print in the contract. Not that, not that like, all the deals are bad, but specifically, like, we felt like ours was not the best move to go forward with. Mm -hmm. And the people from Shark Tank have been nothing but nice to us. Mark Cuban has been nothing but nice. I still uh, email him occasionally. And there's no bad blood between anyone. It's just we decided that business-wise it may not be our best move going forward.
0: Sure. And it was nice to be able to email him and ask him questions when you need to. Yes. Yeah. And so, so ultimately you kind of felt, like now looking back on it you feel you did the right thing
1: I do yeah. I always wonder like what if but then again I would have always wondered what if had I not gone through with it so Sure of course I mean had I gone Well
0: I mean through it's, with it? right and it seems I mean look you've been on QVC 5 times and you know you're in 2100 Kroger stores that's pretty darn good to you're not even 20, you know, and you've got these huge, these huge things going on for yourself. So it seems like you're on a good trage- trajectory to me, you know, looking on the outside.
1: Um, My ha- fraternity are brothers are, I am. My fraternity brothers are very tired of hearing that I've been on sharp tank because they've heard this story one too yeah. many times. So, oh, sure.
0: <laughs> They're like, Oh, you're going on QVC again. <laughs> um, and uh, and and QVC was obviously really good because you guys sold
1: out. Oh, yeah. So. QVC was amazing. To be able to go on there five times, not only for the um, advertisement we got from that, from being on TV again to being on Kitchen with David and hearing our amazing reviews, it was nothing but help towards our company. That's so and awesome.
0: Yeah. So so how do you guys do your financing now? I mean, do you have investors at this point or are you guys still, are you able to self-finance with the, with
1: your revenue are, and your margin? We are totally open to the idea of investors. Uh, right now our company is afloat and we're doing well, but it's hard with me being in college and the day-to-day expenses. And it seems almost every dime we get, we have to put back into the company. And mm-hmm. it feels sometimes like we're kind of spinning our wheels as far as financially, like, Business-wise, we're getting nothing but better. We're doing bigger deals and stuff, but that means we have to up like we have to upgrade our equipment and stuff, which then right. in turn makes us have less money. So we are totally open to the idea of investors if the price is right and we feel like there are people who agree with our mission statement and want to move forward in the direction we were we do as well.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, but it's amazing that you guys have been able to self finance, and I know that buying all those machine, all the machinery and, you know, retooling and all that kind of stuff is a huge investment. Um, so when you first started out, how did you guys – I mean, obviously you were a kid. And, you know, so it wasn't like you were probably just calling up packaging stores and figuring all this out on your own. So how did you – I mean, and I don't know if your parents come from an entrepreneurial background or not, but how did you guys begin, like, with packaging and even making the first products and stuff?
1: Uh, my mom has always been pretty crafty, and my dad actually also went to art school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, they both worked in advertisement for many years. My mom was also a school teacher, um, and it was definitely, like, uh, like trial and error period for a long time, mm-hmm. and we just kind of did it. My mom has always been one of those people where if somebody has a dream or if somebody has something they really want to do, she'll figure out a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it and great. So she, well, I mean, she's a mom. That's just kind of, it seems like that's like in the job description.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a mom too.
1: <laughs> but it came down to the fact like we just put it in jars and we would give it to friends and family. And they're like, this is great. You should sell this. Mm-hmm. And we said, all right. And we went to the county fair and everyone at the county fair said we should, bring, we should go to a food show, and we went to a food show, and we won top five best new products, and Wegmans um, from the East Coast called oh. us. And that's when we were pretty much like, okay, maybe we have something here. Right. <laughs> that must have been a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. And I just have always kind of had like a knack for the business Side of it and deciding like going with my gut. It seems mm-hmm. I don't know if that sounds vain. I don't mean for it to sound vain. No,
0: not at all. <laughs> some pe- some people just have the entrepreneurial, you know,
1: genes. And a lot of a lot of business, in all honesty, is a your connections that you have and b uh, your charisma because in all honesty. Uh, Luckily, we have an amazing product, but it's just, if you can make people laugh and you can go to these, like, food shows and people like you, they're far more willing to talk to you about your product than it is if you're, you can have the world's best product and if you have zero charisma and, like, nobody wants to talk to you, it can be very hard to get off the ground, whereas there's some people who may have the worst product, and everyone loves them, so people are willing to go the extra mile to help them, and, Luckily, we have both. <laughs> I don't mean to shoot my own horn.
0: But no, but, I mean, you you, got, you have to. When you've got something that's a, that's a success and your formula is working for you and, you know, your gift of gab or, you know, your ability to connect with people really makes that possible for you, you know, then it's really important, you know. It's important to talk about it and to share that with people. I think people really want to hear your, you know, want to know your story, you know, and and when they see you and meet you, you know they want to hear that from you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and if you're willing to tell it, I think it really helps with sales and, you know, gets people interested. So that's great. Um, how did you? So basically, you guys started making the 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 flavored honey in your house, to jar, you know, jarring it up, getting it to friends and family, getting people to taste it and test it for you. You kind of went through the little markets and the fairs, and then you got to this trade show, and so did you guys alter recipes along the way, or is everything that you're selling now kind of what you whipped out in the beginning? Uh,
1: We create new flavors here and there in which we uh, do a lot of trial and error with a lot of different types of flavors and honey. And uh, a lot of the core recipes, like our Grumpy Grandpa flavor and our Naughty Nana and our PB's Fireball, which is now Mama Drama, uh, we those recipes have changed very little, if not if not at all, since uh, the creation of the company, and, and that's something I'm really proud of, because it's one of those things where it's no if it's not broke, don't fix it, right. Uh, but it comes down to one of those things where it just took a while to get those flavors. Like one of the flavors we tried in the beginning was wasabi honey.
0: Mhm.
1: And it just good. looked like snot in a jar. Yeah. It was a like green <laughs> snot packaged in a glass jar. And I looked at it, and I'm like, no one's going to want to buy that, no matter what it tastes like.
0: Right. It looks
1: like a Halloween gag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and so that was Ixnade.
1: Oh, yeah, that guys... one was Yeah. That one yeah. Was finished real quick.
0: Yeah. Too bad they didn't make bleached white wasabi powder. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So, do you guys do all your sales yourself, or are you guys working with uh, distributors or reps or anything like that?
1: It is basically us. We do everything. It's just, I mean, I wish I could do more. Uh, I do a lot for the company as far as business decisions and going out to meetings and stuff, but the day-to-day stuff, I'm off at college, and I can't really do all that. So, that's a lot of my mom and dad. They really helped the company in a lot of ways for that. And it is and so, pretty great to be able to say that my I employ both my parents.
0: Right, <laughs> it is pretty cool to be able to say that. Um, so, do you guys sell in small specialty boutiques as well, like small gifts, like food stores, and you know, cheese cheese shops and things like that, or are you only in, you know, large big box stores?
1: Uh, no, we sell to the smaller ones as well. We uh, we honestly would like more big box stores, I mean, I wouldn't say no to a larger retailer. But at the same time, like, we got our start in specialty stores, and we're more than willing to work with them and stuff because sometimes, like, you can get dropped by a big store like that. And you're old news, whereas we like the specialty stores because we get to know the people better, and it's a more personal connection with the store owner. And we feel like we can stand out better in those as opposed to a shelf in a corporation.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you say that because when I started my handbag company before you were born, um, I – I, I, I built my business on selling to small stores. You know, we were doing like a million dollars a year with just small stores. And everybody kept saying, how come you're not selling to large, you know, department stores? And I was like, well, I do. I sell, you know, here and there to department stores, but for the exact same reason. Like, I'm just too afraid that they're just going to turn around, ship it all back or, you know, not not place the next order or, something like that, and then you're just either stuck with all the merchandise or you have no, nowhere to sell to and nobody to sell to. So I, I think it's really smart to sell to a lot of small stores and really build this solid base, you know, that mm-hmm. you've got mon- money coming in all the time from these places. So what, what was your first biggest mistake and how did you muddle through it?
1: Our first biggest mistake was there was this broker and when my mom hears this, I can I, I can picture her face. Uh, and when we were starting the company, it was very difficult for me at first because I was twelve, I was young, and people always were very skeptical of working with a child. Was essentially a child. I felt like I was a grown adult, but uh, <laughs> no one else did. At twelve and thirteen, right? Uh, I was like, I'm a teenager now. Come on, yeah, you- uh, but. It was very frustrating, and I could knew and I could tell who I trusted in business and who really wanted to work with, because uh, even though I was young, I still knew all the answers for the questions. I had made sure I did my research, because when you're 12 and 13, uh, you have to make sure you know what you're talking about. Otherwise, people can take advantage of your company, and you can get lost, and people won't take you seriously. So I wanted to be able to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. and... There was this broker, and I and I immediately did not like him, because he would never look look at me when answering one of my questions. He'd always look at one of my one of my parents, either my mom or my dad, and okay. he would tell them because he like was like, oh, this kid is just like a figurehead. He doesn't do anything. And I'd say, and that several times, he still would talk to them, and they thought he was wonderful and like he would do so much for the company. And I said I didn't like him, and ultimately. He ended up not doing his job and then charging us for stuff he didn't do and took us to court. And it was a huge hassle that almost ruined the company and bled no, us dry no. for money. And the whole time, I was like, I told you so. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, my company and y'all didn't listen to me. Right. My were gut like, was speaking. <laughs> they are like, you're 13. Like, you're 13. Why we, we're going to override you on this one. We know, we know you're normally right, but we're, we believe in this guy. And then I was like, "Yo." Oh, next time though just saying right yeah
0: and so after that did your parents let you take the lead and follow, follow, let you make the business decisions for the most part
1: yes much to their yeah. disgruntledness
0: yeah <laughs> okay and so flip that what's been what do you feel like was your biggest like your biggest first success like what do you feel really kind of put you guys on the map i mean obviously I mean, getting into wet, Wegmans was really great from your
1: first i would show. say getting into Wegmans and getting in the top five new products, but as far as the largest impact on the company has to be Shark Tank because exactly. like, everything is great and we've done so much since Shark Tank, but that is just one of those things. It's an immediate converse, conversation starter with almost anyone. Say, hey, my company was on Shark Tank. Oh, what was that right. about? What was your deal? They automatically, like, it essentially immediately gives you validity to your product. You can say, oh, I own a company. i like, yeah, sure. I was on Shark Tank and they're like, oh, so you really own it. You're not like, kidding. Right,
0: yeah. Credibility and, factor, yeah.
1: And it's like, it was a free 15 minute commercial essentially, and it just put us on the map. It gives us a reference point, and to be able to name drop that has opened so many doors because a lot of doors are shut to smaller companies, but not if you've been on TV right all of a sudden exactly. the doors seemed to open yeah and I mean, we and got calls from companies that had refused to ever like return our messages and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we we're on tv and they're like hey we want you guys i'm like yeah we've right. been asking to be on your shelves for a while now right and like oh but now you're, now you're the prettiest girl at school
0: yeah <laughs> we have to have you now um how, how did, did, does QVC do the same for you when you go on th- that? QVC helps,
1: shows? QVC helps considerably. The only thing with QVC though, as opposed to the Shark Tank thing is, being on QVC is very good, but it's not always an accurate description of the product because we sold out a bunch of times and then other times have done not so well. But mm. it's because they were so close to, the earrings are so close together, it feels almost like, Somebody probably just bought bought a jar and they haven't even finished their last, like, shit. Right. So they're not gonna buy more, so I feel like i definitely want to come back to there. But currently, it's just I feel like everybody on QVC who has it, like, who who wanted it already has it, and we need to wait for them to finish and finish their honey, and then right.
0: and then sell it to them again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And does PR play a big role for you guys in sales?
1: PR plays a huge role in the sense, uh, not as much as it used to, though, uh, because it was a lot easier when I was, like, 14 and all shiny and bright and dumb, and it was easier to go, like, this kid started the company, and I'm, like, braces and stuff. (laughs) And now they're, like, yeah, you're 19, don't care. And so it comes down, now we have to, we're finding new angles that we have to work with PR. Sure. Uh, Luckily, the shark tank is an instant, like, source of that. But PR and social media have definitely tied in a lot, as they do with every company, and they can make or break a company. And I feel like currently we're just kind of waiting for another, either a huge opportunity or the right uh, financial investor to find us. And then we can go back in. Because sorry if I'm rambling, I tend to do that sometimes.
0: No, not at all. Uh, uh,
1: realized I realized it wasn't even answering the question anymore. uh well, no,
0: but but I can see that that you know to get in like a, a national magazine or something, you know, like on in a gift guide or something like that oh, could yeah. make a big could make a big impact for you guys. Um, yes, I mean I would assume so. Just because people are looking for gifts and stuff like that. I was,
1: yeah, I was also recently uh, featured on Forbes magazine, which is pretty crazy. Oh, wow.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And so Forbes, it's like, Forbes,
0: has a good, Forbes has a good reach, you know? I mean, people really yeah. read the, art, the articles. Um, I was in Forbes a few years ago, and it really sent, drove a lot of traffic to my site. Um, so I think you'll, you'll find it kind of trick, trick, trickles through, but I think you'll see your numbers go up. If you're watching your Google Analytics, um, <laughs> um, you're like, no, I'm calling another store. <laughs> um, and do you guys do you guys do? A, I mean, a lot with social media. Do you run ads on Facebook or do you anything like that?
1: Yes, we have a Facebook page and we use it quite a bit. Um, right now, we're, we'll probably say that we're featured on the podcast. Which will be good, yeah. uh, and we'll say like upcoming deals we have or what's going on with the company. Uh, Facebook is kind of the only one we've had a lot of success with. Uh, we're tr- like I'm trying to help explain my mom uh, Twitter to my mom. Uh, she struggles with the idea and the concept sometimes. Yeah. Um, but we're also working on getting an Instagram soon, so we can tweet out like recipes and I mean not tweet out post recipes and stuff and pictures of the food. To show what you can use the honey for.
0: Yeah, that's great. Good idea. Excellent idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so so what what's next for your company? Like, what do you think are the you know like next big things that you guys have lined up? You know, what are your what are you what's your big vision plan?
1: <laughs> My ultimate goal is to be able to like, uh, give my parents their retirement money back. That's the goal because that's Mm -hmm. what is powering this company and honestly the company could go great and be super successful and then for some, hopefully it doesn't but it could then crash and burn but as long as I've helped replenish the money that my parents have given to my company to help it succeed, that is what I would consider 100% success. I mean, granted, I'd much rather it continue to be successful and keep running but the next big thing for us, we don't honestly know. Uh, it's definitely been – this journey has definitely been one of those ones where uh, success seems to, like, find us or we'll be like, hey, what if we did this? And right now we're calling people. Uh, we're going to a new private label show soon in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's weird having to message my teachers and be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to have to miss a lecture I'm going to food show. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll be back um, next week.
1: <laughs> and we're good. hopefully we, we make some good connections there uh, it's in Chicago, which is probably pretty hyped right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's supposed to be a really good show, though. I, I know people who go to that show. Yeah.
1: That's where we uh, found, met up with Kroger last time we went. So yeah. hopefully another big fish bites this time.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, be sure to put lots of big like, pictures of that in your booth. Showing showing how popular you are. <laughs> I always found that that really helped. I mean, I I used to do I when I had my handbag company, I got tons of PR and you know, and I used to get my products in movies and to celebrities and every time when we did trade shows and we had pictures of, you know, celebrities with our product or a movie poster or something like that, people just clamored for the products right away cuz it it shows your credit it shows your credibility and that you know stores are concerned that you're going to be here today gone tomorrow and if you have something concrete you know to show that you're stable
1: um, people really like that Sometimes it helps to tell people how popular you are Exactly <laughs> you, you got
0: you got to I mean you know it's like it's just like, I mean, social media has kind of turned life into a, into a popularity game, you know, and contest, right? It's like how, how many people like you, how many people follow you, how many people retweet you, repost it, re-whatever, you know? And it's, it's all about trying to get the eyeballs on you, right? Because if you don't get them on you, then the other people are uh, getting it on, that, on them.
1: Yeah, so, telling you it from someone else.
0: Um, and so it's, it's, it's kind of a numbers game you know, and, uh, and how, how much you can really get out there and get people's eyes on you when you need it, <laughs> which is definitely at a trade show. Yes, um,
1: at a trade show, yes. you uh, want to put up a Christmas tree and have flashing okay. lights.
0: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Just don't run naked down the aisle. <laughs> um, well, Henry, thanks so much. I really appreciate you hopping on the call with me. It was really nice to talk
1: to you. Thank you. It's been great talking to you.
0: Yeah, I wish you the best of luck and have a really good show.
1: Thank you, and hope you do well as well.
0: Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.